a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. With 71 days to go before the big midterm elections, we've been talking about the messaging strategy. We just talked to Mara Carabella. Uh, talking about some of the strategies that President Biden and some of the Democrats might be using. We've been looking at Republicans, what kind of material they're going to use going into the midterms. What does that messaging really look like and sound like? And more importantly, what are the American people going to listen to and act on? That's the real big question. And to help us decipher a lot of that, we always turn to our inside source, Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics at the University of Utah. Jason, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Boyd, always great to be with you. Well, 71 days. I know you've got the shot clock uh, running at the uh, Perry home. <laughs> Indeed we do. <laughs> so we were talking a little bit about uh, the Democrats first, and uh, they, they suddenly feel a little puff of wind at their back uh, with some legislative victories. Uh, the Republicans, of course, uh, have been pretty confident going into the, the midterms. And now there's been uh, between some things happening with uh, the president and some things happening with the former president. The messaging uh, is getting a little bit muddled. Uh, but from your unique perch there at the Hinckley Institute, uh, what are some of the things you're seeing or sensing in terms of what that messaging might look like? Well, a, a couple of things. And this has been a strategy with the Republicans across the country, but definitely in the state of Utah for some period of time. And it's, it's kind of that, that old kind of thing that you and I have talked about in the past. People tend to vote with their wallets. You know, they vote with their 401ks. And so what, what we're seeing really, I think, all the way into the midterms is right now, and this is what the Republicans are going to be looking at. Everything is about inflation. Everything is about the economy. And it's just such an interesting and is often an effective tool when you say, the reason why you want to vote for me and my party, just look how much it costs just for you to get here today. That's really a strategy, and I think the Republicans are going to be taking full advantage of it. Yeah, and do you think on the Democratic side, uh, we've been trying to figure out how they balance this message. The president obviously wants to tout some things uh, in terms of legislative wins, but there's sort of that squaring up of alignment of does what you're saying is awesome, does it align with what the voters are actually feeling and living every day? Well, they're certainly feeling the increased costs. But if you're talking about sort of the offsets of what the president has done recently, there are things that that, that do provide, and that really is the word, is sort of an offset right here. You look at thing like, things like loan forgiveness, for example, the things that do get right back to what I was saying, get back to the, the wallet, get back to my, my pocketbook in some way. I think some of these most recent, recent wins from the president are really trying to give that, to, to give that balance. Say, yes, we understand the inflation is, is where it is. The economy is difficult. Everything's more expensive. But we're going to try to find ways to help on the other side of the ledger. That was really the two competing interests from both sides of the party and the arguments we're going to hear. Yeah. And one of the things I've been dying to ask you, Jason, is is looking, again, both sides. Uh, there's sort of the uh, what you are for category and the what you are against category. Uh, and really interesting that uh, the former president, Donald Trump, has sort of been in the middle of 
both of those arguments. And some feel that, you know, if your Democrats are too focused uh, on the former president, that's not a good strategy. Some feel like if the Republicans are too much on the side of the former president, that's a bad strategy. How do you see it? Well, so I'm going to I'm going to go in the camp where uh, too closely aligning yourself with the former president is, is not the winning strategy in a lot of places. Uh, it, and it's not even here in Utah. I mean, there are a lot of Utahns, the Republicans that, that support the, the former president, President Trump, and they, they would even want him to, to go again. But we have not seen our candidates that, that have been kind of the successful over the long haul completely tie themselves to the former president. You even take like a Senator Mike Lee, for example. You know, he had an endorsement at a period of time, but you didn't see a commercial about that. You didn't see a, a flyer about that. They're trying to kind of make sure people realize I, I can support those Trump policies without being the Trump uh, aspect of it. And I think that that's what we're going to see a little more. I, I don't think it's a winning strategy, at least it's not been here in Utah historically, when you are just I am the number one ally of, of President Trump here in the state of Utah. It's more about the policies. Yeah. And as you look at from the, the Democratic side, it's also been interesting uh, again, even with some of the, the victories that President Biden has had of late, uh, there still are not a lot of candidates, especially in swing districts. Washington Post was reporting today uh, they interviewed 60 uh, off the record uh, candidates from across the country in swing house districts, and none of them wanted the president to show up. It used to be, you know, if you could get the president to come to your district, that was the winning formula. And now both left and right seems like, <laughs> yeah, president, former president, I'm not sure that's the, the strategy. So you're absolutely right, and it does swing both ways right now as well. Which is why you're not—we haven't seen those the visitors here to Utah, at least you know midterms. We probably wouldn't anyway. But you're seeing it across the country. These candidates are trying to carve their own path and create their own brand, and it's associated with their party for sure. But the the standard bearer, you know, President Biden, and you know, I'm not going to say the standard bearer necessarily, but President Trump. People aren't saying. Uh, please come and please uh, be the one that supports me. They don't want to have to spend any time explaining or defending uh, those people. They want they want to run on their own their own platform, which does happen to be closely aligned with those policies as well, but not necessarily the person. Yeah. Well, as uh, as I know, you've got a uh, an army of uh, Hinckley Institute interns that are fanning out across the country uh, and around the world. You do this all over the place. Uh, what is it that you're hoping that they pick up or they sense? It's it's always unique to be an intern during this kind of season of a of a really contested midterm. Uh, what are you hoping they learn, or what do you what are you thinking they will pick up uh, through that experience? Mm-hmm. So we are always talking to our interns, and you're right. They're all over Washington D.C. They're working on campaigns across the country, and you know, so, sometimes I'll, I'll tell you there are two two lessons for these these interns. Sometimes they decide exactly what they want to do in their lives. They they, they figure out their party, they figure out their policies and their direction, and sometimes they figure out exactly what they don't want to do, which is <laughs> all, which is also a very good lesson for these students. But what we try to say to them, and even as we're having forums on campus, as they're talking to me about the people they're working for, it is this, is you have to have an appreciation for the process. And the one thing that can't happen is you decide to disengage. We must stay engaged. Learn the good parts. Learn the parts maybe you don't love as much, but above all, stay engaged. Yeah, that's such an important message for all of us. Uh, And uh, one last question before I let you go, Jason. As you look at some of the things nationally, and of course, in a midterm, it always does come down to some swing districts, you know, in in the House and a few swing states in the Senate. Uh, 
any messages that you're seeing maybe under the radar that are kind of resonating or maybe getting a little momentum uh, going into the fall? Yeah, here's what I hope I'm seeing a little bit is a sort of a return to bipartisanship. And and it's not like necessarily people caping in necessarily, but you look at some of the stuff that's happened most recently. It required some people to have difficult conversations in a reasonable way. That's what I'm hoping. I'm, I'm seeing a little bit across the country, but that's what I hope through this mid- midterm. And that's because it's going to be sort of a signal what happens in the next general election. Really, we need to get a return uh, to actually talking about some of the policies and priorities. We, we, we don't see that a, a lot anymore. An actual hard discussion about the policies and direction. A little, more, less about, little less about the rhetoric, a little more about the policies. I'm seeing a little more policy discussion recently, and I think that's good. That's good, and hopefully we can keep that going. And I will remind everyone that that's up to we the people. It's the voters. If we reward bad behavior for crazy talk, outrageous accusations, weaponization of words, if that's what we reward, that is what we will continue to get. Uh, Jason Perry, thanks for helping us get into the policy and the principles, uh, because that's what's going to give us a much better future moving forward. Jason, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Boyd. That's Jason Perry from the Hinckley Institute of Politics at the University of Utah. Great insight there, as always. Coming up, President Biden's student debt relief receivers might not be able to keep that full amount. Why? I'm going to tell you why. Coming up next, stick around. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.